Are you sure you want to do this, Robin? I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it for you, Paula. Oh, my gosh. I feel so honored. You should. (laughs) I I don't do these. I'm Paula Ferris, and this is Journeys of Faith, where we talk to people about how their faith guided them through the best and worst of times. And you just heard my friend, Robin Roberts. She is the face of ABC's Good Morning America. But in this episode, she's not bringing us the latest headlines. Instead, she gets candid about her faith. I realized that... I was being used as a messenger in an even more important way than being a journalist. And she even takes us to church. I will not sing. No. What a friend we have in In Jesus. Jesus. That's ahead on Journeys of Faith. Okay, so Robin is here wearing her hashtag blessed sweatshirt. Robin, it's so great to have you here. I just feel it already, Paula. Thank the, you. Thank the you positivity? This. Yeah. Well, you know, I, and I've known that from day one with you. From the moment I saw you and your eyes, you can tell when someone has a spirit. And I knew that before you even opened your mouth. And then you opened your mouth and oh, wow. I know, exactly. And then I just didn't <laughs> stop. I was about to get no. really emotional there for a moment. No, but I remember it distinctly. Oh. And we, have that, we both have that sports background and yes. all that. But I've always felt like a... Kindred spirits with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely. Like so, there's something more that connects yeah. us than just our careers. Yeah. Oh, that thing. Oh, that thing. That um, I know you're super busy, so I, I just want to express my gratitude for you're you for welcome. coming on the podcast. and Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited. Very bold to do it on faith. Thank you. You know, and, and I before we actually delve into your journey, I just want to say thank you because I remember this summer, right about the time when I was making the decision to walk away from from Good Morning America weekend and to walk away from The View and to walk into something very unknown for me. And it was a little scary. I remember going into your office and you were such an encouragement to me. And I know you've got my back, Mm -hmm. but I can't tell you how much that did for me, knowing that you believed in me, but also... It's something that you told your sister about. Don't allow fear to prevent you from walking into your destiny. Yeah, don't keep it from. Don't let fear keep you from your destiny. And mm-hmm. also, you know, stepping out in faith. It's really something when you step out and you don't see the staircase. Just like, just you like just, Martin Luther King said, love that quote. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, and you did that. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt the reasons why you were stepping back, the reasons for it, mm-hmm. and that good was going to come your way. And then look what happened. Boom. What happened? Well, see, 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 what happened was this podcast. I know. I'm yeah. excited, you know, and that's the thing. Um, maybe I wouldn't be doing this podcast had I, I – actually, I know I wouldn't had be doing this podcast had I not decided to take that step of faith and and move my life in a different direction. You, first of all, you wouldn't have the time. No, not at all. No. It is a big commitment. So let's talk about your own journey. Okay. So I know you can't you – What do you want to know? What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Um you come from a very tight-knit family. You're the youngest of four. Yes. And you, you talk about your parents teaching you the three Ds in your life. Discipline, determination, and... The Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Yes. So, D-A, the Lord. So let's talk about your faith background, your mm-hmm. your personal journey um, raised in Mississippi. Right. Uh, tell me about your family life in terms of where they were spiritually. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Um, my <clears throat> father was in the Air Force. He was a Tuskegee Airman. So we grew up all around the world in the country. Um, youngest of four, all four of us were born in a different state. I was born in Alabama. One sister was born in Iowa. <laughs> the other sister in Arizona and a brother in Ohio. So we just, um, 
um, it was it was a great experience um, being in the military and just always having to meet new friends. And the one constant was church. The one constant wherever we traveled to, wherever we laid our roots. And I'm very proud of my parents for many reasons. And one being when we moved to Mississippi in 1969. And you have to think about this, Paula. We're living in Izmir, Turkey. Okay? We're living in Izmir, Turkey. And my mom and dad would say, okay, boys and girls, where we're moving to begins with a letter. And then we'd have to guess where we're moving to. So it's 1969. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling me? I'm feeling you. And they say, okay, it begins with the letter M. So we're going Montana, Maine, Missouri, Michigan, naming them all. They're like, nope, 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 nope. We're like, uh, 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 Miss- Mississippi? No. No, we're not. No, we're not. And they're like, yeah, we're moving to Mississippi, August of 1969, three weeks before Hurricane Camille, which was the storm before Katrina, which was the benchmark for the worst storms. So anyway, we moved there. And my mother and father started something at Keesler Air Force Base, Soul Service. Because when you're in the military and you go to church, it's just a Protestant service, a Catholic service, a Jewish service. It's not Methodist, Lutheran. It's just boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. And my parents could sense that the young um, African-American service men and women were needing something to to fill their souls mm-hmm. and just it was difficult during that time so they they established um soul service that's what it's called and we it was on sunday nights and it's like uh, a prayer meeting kind of yeah but it was mm-hmm. it was a it was a full-on church service but mm-hmm. it was the music and it was just a a, a a difference and um that's just something you know, when your parents establish uh, a service, and then my mom, on my mom's side, my grandfather was a preacher, and on my dad's side, too. Um, but it was just a, it was just, um, a given. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, I, I do remember as a kid, <coughs> I don't feel well oh, on yeah, a Sunday, that, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was like, okay, um, if you don't go to church, you can't do anything for the rest of the weekend. Oh, I, oh I, you I feel, feel better. better. Um, But it was really interesting um, as I grew older and, you know, almost had like a military background working in local TV, as you can relate to. Yeah, I mean, you you worked in Mississippi, local stations in in Atlanta, Atlanta, Nashville, and then um, da-da-da-da-da-da, the worldwide leader. Mm -hmm. And um, I would find a church home wherever I I moved to. Um, And it was just something... Something that was just instilled in me in a very young age. When people say that whatever their faith is, but that they don't have to have a church family or a synagogue. Yeah, it's true. It, it's true. But for you. It's, it's, it's mixed. You know, I mm-hmm. haven't, you know, I'm still a member of the First Presbyterian in Hartford, Connecticut. I haven't been there in quite some time because I don't really live in Connecticut as much um, as I did on the weekends. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hypocrite because I haven't. I'm still looking for a church home in New York. I do go to church, but I'm I'm trying to find that mm-hmm. home, and I do miss it. And I did. I'm um, with you with that one. When I don't go, I notice yeah, something different in my yeah. spirit. I mean, because I watch on television, I watch Joel Osteen and watch different services and that. But I miss. I do miss having a church home, and I still have my church home down in Mississippi every time that I'm back that way. Um, but I, I, so I, I struggle. I don't struggle with it. I think that. I think that it's fine for people who don't actually, you don't, hey, you don't have to go to church to be spiritual. No, you don't. You don't Mm -hmm. have to. I personally enjoy the, I I think it brings me back to my childhood, but also, Paula, it's very, I mean, it's it's been harder for me 
since my mother passed. Mm. I can't, I just I get so emotional when I go to church. And that's part of the reason why I haven't gone as much. And that's uh, it's not a cop out. I just the music will start playing or there'll be a certain whatever. And it's just really, really hard. It reminds um, you of your yeah, mom. Yeah, it really, really. I don't know what what that is, but there's sometimes that I'm like, I can just feel it coming on when yeah. we're singing a certain hymn, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Robin, get it together, get it together. And it could be just not. I don't know, but um, I do. I'm just so grateful for the foundation that they laid for me. Yeah, for sure. And I have to imagine when you found out you were moving to Mississippi, you weren't happy. The beauty of it is that um, we admit as a family, we're like, okay, we're just going to be here for the short amount of time that we have to be stationed here, and then we're out of here. Just the opposite happened. Um, I don't know what it was. We fell in love, and Mississippi fell in love with us. My parents are buried in mm-hmm. Biloxi, Mississippi, the yeah. National Cemetery. Uh, my sister still lives in our family home. Um, it was just something about... After moving around all, and, and even our relatives are like, you got to be kidding me. You've lived all ac- around the world and you're choosing to stay in Mississippi. And it got to the point that my senior year of high school, my father um, had retired from the military and he was working in private business and the, 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 the job transferred him to California. And my parents were thinking, oh, this is it. You know, right. But you know, when you're a senior in high school. I'm not leaving. I've worked really hard to get to the top of the mountain. I'm not leaving now. And you were a multi-sport athlete at that point. Basketball and tennis. tennis. And uh, my dad went out. My mom had to go back and forth my senior year, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, Grandma watching me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, That was good. Um, But I... I love Mississippi. I'm, I'm a proud, proud Mississippian. And it wasn't our choice when we were tired, when we were stationed there, but it was our choice to stay there. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting evolution. Yeah. So when people ask you to this day, I mean, because you've been on such a faith journey, especially considering your, your childhood and where you are now. But if somebody were just to ask you, what do you believe and why do you believe it? I believe in God, the almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ's only Son, our Lord, mm-hmm. I just believe. I believe. I believe in the higher being. being. I believe in God, Jesus Christ. I believe um, that um, everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm Presbyterian. We believe in predestination. Mm-hmm. That it's not just by chance. Um, it's not just by chance I'm sitting across from you. Um, I, I truly believe that... Um, and it's comforting to know when we're trying to figure things out that it's already been figured out for us. Sure. And so everybody relax. It's all going to gonna work out. Um, and I that belief has really, it's wavered sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, especially during my, my, my second health challenge. Mm-hmm. The first one, I was okay. The second one, I was like, <laughs> oh, come on. I know. So, so, so 2007, you're diagnosed with breast right. cancer. And then 2012. 12. With MDS. Right. The very treatment that beat cancer for me mm-hmm. led to a more serious condition, myelodysplastic syndrome, in MDS, which is a, a form of pre-leukemia, if you will. It, it, it becomes leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, I was devastated because I thought I had, you know, I, like I'm always about, oh, I'm learning a lesson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the first time. Oh, early detection because I did find it early. Sure. And so I got the message out. Make your mess your message. Okay, <laughs> people, make sure that you get uh, your screening and all that. You didn't know it was going to get messier, though. No, I did not. And when, so when you find out that you have MDS, is there a moment where you're like, 
You just said, come on, uh, God. Come on, Why? Come on. Really? I don't know. I, first of all, I don't even know what MDS is. I don't, you know, I, I have no idea what the message is here that I'm supposed to deliver. And then he showed me the light with my sister, Sally Ann, who was a perfect donor, not knowing that's <clears throat> rare. That only happens 30% of the time in a family, meaning 70% of the time you need the goodness of somebody on the registry. My family, my doctors had already checked the registry. Um, there was not a match for me. So if it were not my sister, um, I would not be, be sitting here. And so my sister and I, especially my sister, has been very active with Be The Match, getting people on the registry, especially um, ethnic um, as Mama said, um, the reason I didn't have mm-hmm. a donor on the registry, we got a lot of cream in our coffee. We got Caucasian, <laughs> we got this, we got that, which makes right. it a little difficult with a genetic match. Um, so I was very grateful. So I know. So well, that was Mama. So I was very grateful that we were able to get the message out about you know the process of being uh, being a donor. But I did, Paula. I, I there was just a brief moment that I was really angry that this had happened, and the diagnosis was very dire. Uh, The doctor um, told Amber, my partner, and I that I had a year to two to live if I didn't find a donor. And and I remember talking. My mother was still living at the time. She passed shortly before I had the the transplant, which was another, like, oh, come on moment. And she said, "Um, it's okay that you're angry at God. He can take it. Interesting. He can take it. It's okay. Um, just don't stay there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. It was just one of those. And it wasn't one of those things like, because you wouldn't wish it on anyone. It wasn't like, no. oh, why me? Why me? Why not? You know, because you wouldn't want anybody else to face it. But it was just, a, I was tired. Yeah. I was really tired. Did you ever get an answer as to why? I Yeah, I did get a reason um, why. It was to, I have been able to, it was a real teachable moment First of all, I'm not one of those, cancer's the best thing that ever happened to me. No. Oh, Let's you, be real, I people. Know, when people say that, I go, ooh, honey, what was your life like? Especially what? where right when you're oh. going through that trial and like, well, you know, we don't know, but everything happens for, yeah, you know yeah, what, don't yeah, use yeah, that yeah, line yeah, right, right now. Yeah, too, yeah, soon. Yeah, too soon. Too soon. Hashtag too soon. <laughs> wait, wait on that one for a moment. Um, but I did learn more about myself. I am a, oh, I'm so much um, richer, deeper I feel more. Um, I give more. I receive more. I've just more depth to me um, than before. Mm-hmm. And I wish that he wanted me to learn this lesson a different way. But this is the way he chose me to learn more about myself and um, about being a better partner and sister and, and, and all of that. And also, more importantly, to just get people aware of being a a a donor. Yeah. I, I just am so incredibly grateful that we were able to shed a light and so many people whose lives have been saved, not by me, sure. but by the message that I've been able to get out and that people have made themselves available. And I hear over and over again about people finding donors because um, they now know that that is something that they can do and they want to do. Right. It, it's it's amazing that the the platform you already had, but the platform you now have because of those two trials yeah. that you really went, and even more so. Really? I mean, we already had a platform. You know this. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a real, it's a privilege to be a messenger. It is. And up until this time, I felt I was a messenger in delivering the news and giving people information. That's and not then- your news voice, by the way, but it's... <laughs> I love you. Um, okay. But I realized that 
I was being used as a messenger in an even more important way than mm. um, than being a journalist. And I'm very proud of our profession. I'm very, very proud. Um, but I remember there were two athletes that I've looked up to. And my family, we weren't big on celebrities or, you know, I, I, I had two icons in my home, my mother and my father. Daddy being a Tuskegee Airman, my mother, the first, she was always the first this, first that, and never on a soapbox. Two athletes, Billie Jean King and Arthur Ashe. And both of them taught me and became good friends, and Billie still is a good friend, that when you think of Billie and you think of Arthur, you don't necessarily only think of them as tennis players. Mm-hmm. It's how they use that platform for good, how they were able. And I remember Arthur in particular saying, if at the end of the day, people all I'm going to say about you, Robin, is, boy, she was a heck of a broadcaster. You haven't fulfilled your mission. Sure. And so that's what I really, it, it took me a while to understand that, but I'm glad that I got that lesson. We'll be right back after this. How does your deep faith keep you grounded? Ooh, my gosh. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it's like if you if you don't. I, I just never have. I can't. Um, but what I really appreciate is being able to be more vocal about it. I remember a long time ago when I started at uh, GMA in the 90s. And we would do we did a story on or a series like what is our morning routine? Mm-hmm. And they I'm always authentic. And so I shared my morning routine to the producer. And part of it is the prayer that I say every morning before I leave my home. The light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. Wherever I am, God is. So I said that prayer on camera. And that's all being taped. And I'm thinking, this is never going to see the light of day. Never. They're never going to put this in the piece. I know it's not going to happen. But I just, that's what I did. And so, um, lo and behold, they did put it in the piece. And ABC told me, and this, again, this was like mid to early 90s, that for like next 10 years, they could not remember a period of time that somebody didn't contact the network asking for the prayer. Really? We're asking for a copy of it and what it is that I that I said. And that was a real eye-opener for me and to the network, too, mm-hmm. going, wow, there's a real thirst out there for this. There's a real, okay. And, and so I'm so grateful from that one moment that taught me and showed me that it's it's okay. And I'm not a, I don't preach. I'm not trying to convert anybody. Um, but I, I just, I'm living my best life. And there are, there are things that people uh, appreciate about it and um, can glean something from mm-hmm. it to better their situation. So be it. Yeah. And you've become much more vocal about it. Was there an impetus for that? Or was it, do you go back to a certain point? Or was it something that changed in you and you just felt more emboldened? Or did you just recognize, as you said just a minute ago, that there's this thirst and you want to inspire people? I think it was just something that's been very, um, every, <laughs> it's really a reason I hesitate. I am the least calculating person on the planet. <laughs> there's nothing about me, it, my whole existence. Um, other than when I graduated from college, I was like, I'm going to work in a small market for X amount of years and then a bigger market. And I had a real path that I wanted for um, my my career. Um, but even that, I never wanted to do news. It was a four-letter word to me. And along my journey, 
people, news directors, and you can relate to this because you have a sports department. There's only like three of you there. Oh, and you're one man banding. Exactly. Yes. Doing it all yourself. The news department is they got all the money and they're big time and they're and we're the, you know, little stepchild in the corner. Yes. And all along the way, the news directors would come to me and go, hey, come over to our side, you know, you know. And I was like, no, no, I'm just because I'm a woman. You think I can't do it? And they're like, no, you're really good. And we thought you'd want this opportunity. So I fought that. And then I realized I was afraid to venture outside of my comfort zone. So I I can't say I, I had a calculated moment where I'd said, aha, I'm going to speak more about my faith. Like with mm-hmm. everything with me, it's just kind of it's kind of. Happens. Happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This feels right. You. So you. This is interesting because I didn't really. When I first started my first on-air gig, I started as a PA, and then I borrowed the camera equipment from the guys in the sports department and shot my own stand-ups, shot my own, you know, tape, Mm -hmm. edited it. And it's hard to shoot your own stand-up, by the way. With you know. Um. And I. Excuse me. I handed the tape to the news director, and he said, "Give me a couple of weeks." And I was in the process of making another tape. And, you know, running the teleprompter. And he's like, I'm going to put you on the air. Wow. Um, but I did a little bit of news in sports and I thought I would stay in sports forever. But I had that fear when the moment came and when door, certain doors were shutting in the sports world to pursue news. But that fear really prevented me from walking into that. For you, what made you take that leap? Did you feel like you were being called to do news? Oh, what, what made you make that? Really good question. Because I know you worked ESPN oh, and love, ABC for a while, right? Um, and, and and people <clears throat> might not remember this. Uh, so I started ESPN in 1990, and even though we were owned by the same company with ABC, you still at that time you were either ESPN or ABC. So it was early 90s. I started. I th- uh, did something with ABC Sports. Um, some uh, something d- dealing with women's sports, and then um, Passion to Play, I think was the name of the okay. series, if I can remember correctly. And then I got so I in the building, and um, Jim McKay leaves Wide World of Sports and John Saunders, and so then I am the host of ABC's Wide World of Sports, but I'm still doing sports center. Right. And then I was doing little pieces for the old GMA Sunday. Before you took over, mm-hmm. it was just a GMA Sunday. It wasn't even a Saturday show. And then I started doing some part-time things with GMA during the week. And then they made me the uh, news anchor in 2002. I still stayed at ESPN. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm you're gonna, holding on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dance with the one that brung me. Okay, I'm not sure this is gonna work out. And then in mm-hmm. 2005, when I was made the co-anchor with Charlie Gibson and Diane Sawyer, ABC was like. Come on. Yeah. Are you ready now? And that's when I was like, okay, I'll I'll leave my sports roots and But this is nothing that you saw for yourself. Oh, heck no. I mean, when you went heck back no. and you're like I'm going to work in this market in this market. Never. Never. A couple small like what did you envision? Um, I you know, I was just so uh, determined to make it to ESPN and was so grateful mm-hmm. uh, when I made it there um 6 years out of school. And it was wonderful. I'd cover the Dream Team, Barcelona, so 1992, yeah. and Wimbledon, <laughs> and you know all the all the majors, and uh, worked with uh, Jimmy Valvano and just you know Dickie V and Chris Berman and the, you know the who's who he in could. sports. Go all the way. Very nice. <laughs> it was just um, I was living happily ever after, 
And then I realized I was kind of, I don't, I don't want to say. You were in your comfort zone. I was, I was loving my comfort zone. Yes, I wasn't just in it. I was all, I was all <laughs> up in it, loving it. But then I, I don't want to say reached a glass ceiling at ESPN, but there was just so much I was going to be able to do. And I remember going to Billy, Billy Jean King, and when I was getting this opportunity, and I was interviewing her for something. And I told her, I said, you know, Billy, they're offering me this, you know, full-time position at Good Morning America. And I think part of me wanted her to say, you can't leave sports. You can't leave us, Rob. And she was just the opposite. She was kind of like Cher out of Moonstruck. (laughs) Snap out of it. She's like, what are you thinking? Right. What are you doing? She said, it's a bigger stage. You're still going to cover sports. Sure. And then I realized that um, I was limiting myself by just being in the sports world. That I can still cover it, but it's not the only thing. But it took some, you know, in the early years, if you had um, really good ears, mm-hmm. you could hear my knees knocking under the GMA desk. Oh, you were that nervous. Oh, gosh. I was just like, what in the world have I have I done? But that's that's faith. Yeah, it is. And I think in many instances, you know, you talk about a calling. I was talking to someone else on the on the podcast about this, and he said calling involves three things. It's you have to have a predisposition. You have to have talents in that area. Mm-hmm. B, you have to have an innate curiosity, but you also have mm. to have people speaking life into you like, like Billy was for you. And sometimes other people have the dream for you before you have it for yourself because you, you've allowed your fear to yeah. really paralyze yeah. you. And fear just needs the eye of a needle. To get through, and it just consumes your oh, very completely. being, and uh, so many keep us sidelined. And I was so grateful, Diane, beautiful Diane mm-hmm. Sawyer, was there to nurture me, to encourage me when I, uh, when I didn't really believe in myself at that moment, sitting next to her and and Charlie Gibson, and both of them are are, are dear friends. But I, I really have to say, Diane. Um, and I find myself now in that position where these young whippersnappers are coming mm-hmm. up. And um, I want to impart on them what Diane did for me. And even though she did that, she wasn't she wasn't giving up the mantle. She was still um, paramount and just she's the queen. And um, but I just I this this studio right now, Paula, is full of men and women, black and white, gay and straight, who mm-hmm. have supported me, who have been um, incredible in, in shaping me into the human being, not the journalist, into the human being that I am. And I remember one time I gave a, a, one time I gave a commencement <clears throat> speech, and my mother was in the audience. And I thought I gave it pretty good. It was early 90s. I, gave, I thought it was pretty good, and I... I and I, we, we ended, and we get in the car, and she just, you know, that, disapp- that disapproval look. Very familiar with it. <laughs> okay. Very familiar she, with that look of disapproval. And she said, I cannot believe you did not thank people more so than you should have. You did not get here on your own. And I never, ever, and I didn't, it wasn't like I was patting myself <laughs> on the back or anything like that, but it really opened my eyes. She was like, you just remember, young lady. All the people who have believed in you and have helped you, and you make sure that you recognize them. And from that moment on, I got it, and mm-hmm. it's so true. You're so, you're so lucky to have your mom speak that into you. Yeah, 
at such a crucial moment too. It was really big. Yeah, it was a big time for that. Um, so we'll we'll wind down. I know you you've you got places to go and people to see and things to do. I'm, I'm, I'm potent. I'm potent. Potent. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's a joke there somewhere. So okay. it's a good. I'll always okay. laugh at your <laughs> jokes. We both have similar potent. cheesy sense of humor. Yeah, we do. Um, but if you had to. You you say that it's hard for you to imagine your life without faith because you 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 grew up in it. You grew up in a faith filled home where your parents found it even when you were starting out, and it wasn't finding you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had to imagine your life and where you'd be without your faith, where mm. do you think you'd be? Where would I think I'd be without it? It's so hard to even imagine. You know, when you just grow up with something um, that feels so right, and you're so just so incredibly grateful. And, you know, there, and I, and I want to say this, you know, a lot of people have come up to me, especially when I was going through my health crisis, and they said, oh, I, pray, I, I prayed for you. And it's nothing more uh, than knowing that people of all faiths have prayed for you. Mm-hmm. I remember one gentleman coming up, and he goes, um, I don't believe in prayer. I'm not what you would call a Christian, but... I want you to know I'm thinking of you and I'm wishing you the best. And I said, thank you. You know, it took a lot for him to say that. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, sometimes we feel people who don't feel the same way that we feel about Christianity or, or, or this, that, and the other that, oh, you're just a horrible mm. person. going to burn. Uh, but this gentleman. Great impression, t- by the way. You're, <laughs> thank you. You're on today. I've been working on it. Um, so you you can. I'm not going to say um, if you don't have faith, you can't be a good person and you can't. Um, no, no, no. You know, no. Yeah, no. But I, I think it's important for people. Uh, I want people to hear me say that. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I and I recognize that. It's just me. Mm-hmm. And just like you are you and you believe and don't believe what you do believe or don't believe. Um, that's how I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm. I, I'm glad that I can't. I can't even imagine. I'm. Lo- I love it that I can't even. You know, I'm just trying to. Sc- what would it be like? And I can't even think that mm-hmm. way. And again, that goes back to Colonel Lawrence and Lucy Marion Roberts. Yeah, that just really instilled this in me. I, I, I know you didn't ask this, but I, I, I something's been weighing on my heart. Um, a young, a young woman. 14 years old at the time, it was four years ago, took her life because she, she's, she was gay mm-hmm. and she knew that she wouldn't be recognized as a Christian, that you can't be gay and a Christian. She was 14 years old and her church, this was over in England, um, came down on her heart. And so she committed suicide. It was four years ago. That church um, has recognized their ways and have said, we are going to be inclusive because of this little girl. We don't want anybody to take their life because they feel, whether you're gay or straight. And um, I think that's part of the reason why I wasn't as vocal uh, about my faith, because I wasn't as vocal about my sexuality. Sure. And You felt like you would be judged. Yes. And um, even though I wasn't judged at home, and I love how my mom said to me when I, when I you know, told her, which my family is known for... Uh, generations, it seems like. Um, and I was looking to my mom and she said, honey, um, 
because I was I was struggling with how would the church take this and how and that. You were so worried about how everyone else was exactly. going to accept this right. news. And when my mother accepted it, I was good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to, but my mama, who's the most Christian woman I've ever met, and she accepted it. Um, and she said, God loves you because of who he is, not because of anything you do or don't do. And it's so true. And I was like, oh, okay. Thanks, Mama. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say that. I just cause, uh, because hearing that news recently about this young girl and the fact that she took her life and for the church um, to to change its ways really means a lot. Do you, um, since you brought it up, I do you, what role do you think the church needs to play in this moment, in this conversation, especially with the LGBTQ communities? All of that. It was just like what you <laughs> What I and my posting in Facebook talking about Amber and it was a it was a posting of gratitude. I had reached a milestone in my recovery, the second go around, and I was just I was filled with spirit. Yeah, and so I you know I type out this. uh, I'm grateful for this and 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 grateful for my longtime girlfriend. And it was the first time I had said anything. Um, Were you scared to to mention? No, I was. It was very pure because I knew I was right. I, I. I knew I had a book in the works, and I yeah. didn't want that. And I was talking about Amber in the book, and the book was so important to me about the message of being of my faith and, and being a bone marrow donor that I didn't want. Oh, she's gay, and that that would be the headline. And you know how we are in this industry, and that would have been the how? whole. How are we? <laughs> that would have been the whole focus, and I didn't want that because also Amber had some great. Um, messages in there about being a caregiver. So I didn't want that to get diluted. So um, I, w- I, I wasn't scared. I was like, I was ready because from Bob Iger, who runs Disney, to um, the janitor, they knew I was gay and mm-hmm. it wasn't something I was uh, keeping from anyone. Um, but making that statement as I did and it, the way it was received, I received a letter from the national office of the Presbyterian Church praising me. I still have that letter. Do you? I still have that letter to the day. I mean, I'm sorry. But that, I was like, wow, thank you. And not, and only because, you know why? Because they knew me. Because my parents had worked in the Presbyterian Church on a national level. They had met me. They knew me. Mm-hmm. They knew me. Not what you were and what other people are going to define you right. as and label you as. Right. And so that's all anybody wants. That's mm-hmm. all they want. They yeah. just get to know me and... If you get to know me, you don't like me. You want to say, okay, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. But if you, you get to know me um, as they knew me and know me and to support me meant so, so much. Take me take me to that moment where you get this letter, you open it. You probably have no idea what it is, do you? I, you know, I'm a little scared because, you know, because <laughs> I can't say I can't. I, not everything was positive, um, but there was not as negative um, as I thought it would be. Um it was really funny. I think ABC, because they were aware that I was doing it, because it's Good Morning America. It's not the Robin Roberts show. Uh, people's livelihoods, um, you know, are dependent on on ratings, and you don't want to do anything um, to to hurt these hard workers that you that you work with. And so, basically, ABC and I and I'm and I'm just kind of vaguely remembering it, you know, pro con to my announcement, and the vast majority was. I don't care. The vast majority was just really vast majority was like, who cares? Mm -hmm. And again, um, it just tells you where we have come. It's not like that for everyone. And I'm just really, really grateful for, you know, people that have been accepting of me. And it was something that 
I was like, oh, wow, um, how is this going to be received? But I was so happy that my family and friends. The and people who, who knew know me, you. And- right. And so if somebody, you know, who doesn't know me and wants to just, and I do get that sometimes. I do, I'll get a, um, uh, you know, a tweet probably. Uh, do you check your Twitter a lot? I don't check it a lot. I don't check it a lot. But I like to have that engagement. And You're I think. very engaged with, with I yours. love responding. And I would say it's down to like once every few months I will get the you're going to burn in hell because you're gay. And that's, you know, and I'm like, I, am I going to get upset that this person who I have no idea who they are or what they feel that way? Um, okay. There's nothing I can do with that. At least it's gotten less and less. Yes. But um, it's it's so infrequent now. But it's nothing that that's going to prevent me from um, singing from the mountaintop and being grateful for um, who I am and mm-hmm. for how God created me. You are in such a good place and space right now. Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. Last question. One word. I will not sing. No. What oh. a friend we have in, in Jesus. Jesus. I was waiting for you to take me to church. Um, <laughs> you know I want to shout you I down. Know, I know. Um, if you had to describe your faith in one word. Describe my faith in one word. Real. Love it. Real. Not um, not for TV, not for, you know, real. It has been tested and it has been tried and it is true for you. It's the real thing. It is the real thing. You're the real thing. This has been such a joy and a privilege. And I'm grateful to you um, as a colleague and grateful to you as a friend. And you're a mentor to me. And I think you're just such a great example. Not not just as someone in this business, but you're a great example of somebody who's living out their faith. And thank you. I do love you. I don't want to get all mushy here. No, I love you too. Love you. We're friends in the spirit. Yes, we are. Robin, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Paula. God bless. Thank you for listening to Journeys of Faith. If you like this, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. And make sure to come back next Wednesday for our latest episode. Or go check out my interviews with political commentator Ben Shapiro and country superstars Luke Bryan and Hillary Scott. And if you think there's someone that we should have on the podcast, let me know. Tweet me at Paula Ferris. And a big thanks to the team at ABC Radio. Susie Liu, Mike Dubusky, Lewis Millman, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kalb, and Steve Jones. I'll talk to you next week.